So, yeah. you ever like think about what Hillary Clinton's doing right now? Sometimes I I try to just picture an interaction between Bill and Monica now and how that would look like. <laughs> no, like Deadass, what do you think? What, what would happen, do you think, if Hillary was like walking down the hallway and then Monica was walking down the opposite side of the hallway and they just like look at each other? And this is assuming like though there's no press. It's, it's literally just them two. Just two of them in a vacuum. Just just walking down a hallway. What do you think the interaction is? I I imagine if there's really nobody there, Hillary would have to assume that she could get away with something. You think she just like just lay her out right <laughs> then? Like oh. Oh, oh, look, someone, someone help, help this woman, woman please. Yeah. <laughs> that was a solid <laughs> intro. That was pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway. Hello, Nick. What's up, Michael? So, um, yeah, I guess a uh, quick introduction for why we started this podcast <laughs> is we've been jokingly, ironically, and sometimes unironically about starting a podcast of just whatever for a very long time now super long time bro super um, long i, I want to say probably since the beginning of college and now seeing at that we just graduated uh, yes fresh yeah. graduates in a quarantine pandemic with nothing else to do we deemed it as a fit time to start the podcast now yeah because yeah. why not, not? I, I mean, honestly, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, a, it's an exploding media form, you know, and everyone is hopping on it. So I wouldn't wait. Exactly. It's just like a fun thing to keep in like perpetuity. Like, I mean, some people were clowning you before about like, oh, you got to like purge your social media, like your TikToks and stuff because your kids are going to clown you. But like, this is the type of stuff that if I, if I had kids, like I would want them to like Yeah, because it at. also kind of serves as a, uh, uh, what, like a time um, box, like a time, time capsule. Time capsule, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Um, to kind of look back and then see what we were talking about five years, ten years prior. Like, like I've, I've clowned my dad, dad so many times about the videos that he did. He, he did, did something, something kind of like this. He and his friends like actually did like SNL skits. Yeah, and they recorded it. And they also moved all the furniture out of like their living room and dining room areas whenever their parents uh, went away for a weekend. And they did like. Like, like lip-syncing covers of bands like and and when i was a kid i loved watching that a to make fun of my dad but also b because it was just so funny to see my dad as a 16 17 year old just being a goof so i mean yeah long-winded answer to basically say like why wouldn't we do this yeah yeah it'd be fun so anyway yeah so i i guess the <laughs> is uh we can talk about being in the class of 2020, middle of a recession, part of the pandemic. Uh, where do we go from here? Where do we go from here, honestly? Like, just thinking about the amount of college kids that are now entering the workforce with majors that previously were probably useless, but now especially useless now that people aren't hiring. 
Yeah, and I, I've had saying? a few friends who like not only have their start dates been pushed back, but like not only internships, but then also like full time offers have been revoked. It sucks to be a college kid right now. And I don't know. I mean, it, you you think that you know if college graduates from two thousand eight two thousand nine survived, that eventually will come around, but. I think unemployment rate is already higher than it was during that oh, crash. For sure. Yeah. Definitely. Speaking of majors, what's your major, Nick? What did you what did you graduate with? So I graduated with a wonderful BS of physics. Um That's some BS. which was yeah, some BS uh, along <laughs> the way. Uh um I had the intent of completing a couple of certificates but not really ever finishing them, so <laughs> That's that, and uh, I remember the multiple conversations we've had whenever you were going through that stuff. Yeah, I didn't. I don't envy you. I was just constantly convincing myself that I could get things done. And what what, what were the certificates? So my my the two certificates were going to be uh, statistical modeling and computer science, and both deemed to prove that I was a horrible student. In in either of those subjects, and clearly did not have the determination to power uh, through. Yeah, uh, how about you? So I majored with a bachelor's of science and arts. Don't sleep on the arts part. In biology, um, with a minor in business. Um, and you know, I did the pre-med stuff. You know, medical school is. Maybe in the future, perhaps. Um, I I will say I didn't have as much turmoil as you when figuring out about majors and certificates and minors and stuff like that. Uh, because I, for, for me, the path was really clear. You know, there's kind of one cookie cutter pre-med kid. And that was me. As far as degree goes, as far as minor goes, as far as, no, like, literally, like, the cookie-cutter pre-med kid that graduates from UT is a biology major with a minor in business, and then usually they go for a pre-health profession certificate, which I did not get. Yeah. Which <laughs> I should have, because I would have gotten something extra out of these stupid, stupid classes I've been taking. Like, why would I put myself through the torture of OCHEM 1 and 2 and then not even get a certificate out of it? I don't know. But that's kind of, yeah, that's what I graduated with. Med school is hopefully in the future, but <laughs> I'm figuring that out right now. Yeah. Yeah, man. But I don't know. I'm just like, I think the topic of this first episode is us just kind of reminiscing and navigating our last four years of our time at UT. I mean, because we did graduate, what, like four or five days ago? Yeah. A very anticlimactic graduation, mind you. And I think that's kind of resurfacing some feelings, some nostalgia that we had of trying to be positive about our college experience. There's a lot of negatives, but there's also a lot of good stuff. And I think we're, I think we're just trying to sort through that right now. You know what I'm saying? And, and I think for reference, knowing each other for four years in high school, too, we thought that, I guess, the first coming of age, maybe we hadn't really amounted to much in terms of spending our time in high school. Yeah, we like we didn't we didn't drink like some kids do. We, we were very much through didn't. and through debate nerds. Oh, my God. I cringe 
but also I love talking about debate to people, especially when they don't come from that background. Now, if I talk about debate with people that did come from that background, 50-50 chance I'm going to get pretty annoyed or pissed off because it, it just becomes like a flexing contest. But like, oh, like, I went to TFA State five times. Oh, I went to the Tournament of Champions. <gasps> you know, but like when you're talking about an activity that you so heavily invested in in your high school career to people that did not know anything about it, especially debate, then I love having those conversations with people. That's just me. I, I like, I, I don't mind talking about it to people who it was a part of their lives then and they've kind of explored new things or always had other things to go to. But I think I, I've had conversations with people where like the minute that I say I did debate in high school or they bring it up and I just try to relate to it. And then the entire evening is just spent talking about debate. I'm like, this is, this is not what I came here for. Right. So it, it can become very totalizing conversation. Yeah. But the one thing I am very thankful for debate, and there's a lot of things that I am very thankful for debate, for having teaching me or taught me. And, you know, that was teaching me how to lose, um, how to work hard for an activity, oh, losing especially. Yeah. Especially that one stint that we had. We don't need to get into. Um, uh, yeah. It taught me how to lose. It taught me uh, how to work hard for an activity that you care about. But more importantly, it gave me a structure in school that just schoolwork could never do for me you know i didn't wake up in the morning and decide you know what i'm gonna go to school and i'm gonna work hard like i school was just a thing that you did like i woke up because i wanted to go to debate practice or because you know there were cases that i had to prepare or tournaments and stuff so i'm always thankful for those like for organizations like that that give you structure outside of school also i think the way the debate worked that was really helpful is there was you couldn't ever be done right yeah with, with school assignments you know you you were done with a certain task or once you felt like you had studied enough for a test you know that was it you don't feel motivated to continue but you know you prepare for the first tournament you continue to research you continue to practice after that tournament analyze the losses and also the wins and prep for the next one because there's just no end right like there's always room to be better and that's like debates like an mmorpg yeah you know just... there's always the constant grind yeah you can always grind something but i agree that there was a push that i had to be better in debate than in school <laughs> i have felt this multiple times but i guess kind of like along the same lines of the org that we kind of came in in high school you know, that, that kind of being a defining feature in high school. I think that the orgs that we participated in in college also heavily defined our aspects of our personality or defined us, if I'm being honest. Um, so, I don't know, like, the first org that we joined when we got into college. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that we attempted to join. But we eventually were in the same org. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, so I guess I don't. I guess starting the timeline, yeah, of when we got in, right? Uh, seniors out of high school, uh, we wait no. So so we started freshman year in the fall of 2016. Uh, 
kicking off with the old election of Mr. Donald J. Trump. Yeah. That was cool. Uh, but <laughs> so, so the first org that we joined, or at least that, that I joined in college, was uh, this kind of student council, um, student government-esque group called the Senate of College Councils. Um, it, was, it was student government, but just for the realm of academics. And uh, I also joined kind of the light version of that for the College of Natural Sciences called the Natural Scientist Council. Um, and you also went out for it, too. Uh, yeah, I applied to both. Um, NSC, I don't remember so much, but I remember just being an absolute tryhard in the Senate of College Councils interview, and all of my responses were so weirdly calculated because I was trying to come off as somebody I really was. I didn't really understand what it meant to be authentic in an interview. And I right. remember they asked me um, if you could only listen to one song for the rest of your life, what would it be? And my head was like, you know, we're, we're going to say Mad City, uh, like all-time classic. I'll never get tired of it. You love that song. And what came out of my mouth was a Moonlight Sonata. And I was like, <laughs> oh, why would what? I say that? Why would you say Moonlight Sonata? I don't know. I was trying to come off as somebody who was like, intellectual it, yeah and i was like i you know i explore classical music and was i was the most famous song was this the first interview that you ever like first real interview you ever did i, I want to say so i think because yeah and in, in interviews in high school weren't really a thing if you wanted to join orgs you joined them if you were running for a position you gave a speech and right was, yeah so i would say this is probably like one of the first times i had to do an interview so i mean and I think that's usually how first interviews go. You know, you you, you kind of navigate how authentic to be, when to flex, when not to flex. So I guess I kind of get it. But I mean, you you wound up in there eventually. Yeah, yeah. You know, it took a year. It took a year, but I mean, you found your way there. Uh, as you came in, I came out. So <laughs> we we had one year of overlap. We did. We did have one year. So yeah. So I was in the Senate of College Councils, uh, freshman year and sophomore year. Um, and then you got in sophomore year and junior year. Yeah. So what, so what was that experience kind of like? Um, so I remember, first of all, freshman year, my, the only friends I made were, were within my fig, like the, the other majors, physics majors. Right. And they were in show for the most part, but it wasn't like the college experience i had heard about where you know something's going on every weekend like i, I we i spent a lot of time in our dorm and yeah i just felt like nothing was going so so i remember you took me to one senate party towards the end of freshman year and i got to meet some of the people and right. so like finally joining the org i was like no this is gonna be a good place to make friends hang out outside of classes hopefully on a more regular basis than just leading to one event per month Right. Um, and so that's all really I was hoping for. And it wound up to like produce some really, really amazing friends from Friends there. that you still talk yeah, to. Yeah, that I still you love know? Friends that you to. still love talking to. Yeah. But, yeah. Catching so, up I mean, with old family friends that, you know, I hadn't talked to in a that's while. That's true. So, yeah. That's true. That's true. It's, it's so funny how things just kind of like come together. Yeah. You know? Uh, but yeah, so I... So that was cool. We had a year of overlap. So that was fun. What was it like being in an org with me? 
I think it was especially as a superior. I think I think it was especially interesting with you as a superior because everybody else, for the most part, tried to treat you with respect because they kind of understood that, right. and they understood you know if they broke that boundary, they would be put in a bad light. Sure, and so. I loved not having to do that for a while because I could just, I felt like I could get away with it a little bit because we're all like, well, you know, we're best friends. We're right. really, it's like, I'm, I'm going to talk to him. Like, right. I'm not going to change that just because we're in a different space. Um, oh, man. I hate it. I hate it. The one thing that I probably disliked the most about this organization is the flipping, you know? Not, not in the, the sense, sense of, like, like knowing, knowing when you could say certain things and when not to say certain things, but complete changes of personality. Yeah. Whenever you're interacting with someone in one space and then interacting with that same person in another space, like, almost night and day. Like, someone that is just, like, an asshole yeah. to their core. Just a bad person. And then you get into a room with, like, a bunch of mutual friends and they're like, Fun. And you're like, you are fake as gosh darn heck. <laughs> I mean, I'm not to swear. I know, but I, I think there were a lot of people who joined the org because at their core, they wanted to make change. They knew they recognized problems with campus and they had like a genuine belief that they could make a difference. And they brought that energy to the office, but they also retained that sincerity outside. And See, I, I like respect that, that. Those are the people that i wanted to make friends with and i feel like i got to know some of those people. i agree no I, all, all the people that you do like consistently interact with from that group i love every single one of them but on the flip side there were a lot of people who at their core were not kind-hearted but kind of put on this facade of i'm here to fulfill some empty promise to everybody just so I can put this on my resume. And those were cloud the people that we had problems with. It's yeah. the cloud chasers, bro. But whatever. I mean, like, not like it would have mattered because come our senior year, we're not in that space anymore. We, we, we diverged and we kind of found our own different interests after that. Or, or kind of during. Yeah. You know? I, I think I thought for a while about going back senior year to try and combat those people and make sure that the space was you know in control of people who were more genuine and then i just kind of realized how much of my life was eaten up by just trying to fight these people who never listen i was like this point was yeah because i think i think at at some point like the you can try your best to create a culture inside of an organization like that but inevitably it will always have some sort of pull for the super type a personalities the the people that the cloud chasing the resume builders um so you're never going to 100 percent expunge an organization from people like that and i don't know i i at the same time i don't think it's your responsibility to yeah you know especially if you've got other competing stuff in your life that is more important yeah than returning to an organization and trying to purge it yeah the other thing was also he hearing the criticism 
uh, you know, because in, in our second year in the org, you get put into a leadership position somewhat or a, a middle position. Sure. Um, and then hearing, I, I just want to say the criticism of how I led and then how I wouldn't be able to get an executive position later on. Right. And the, the words will always stick with me because I find them hilarious. And it's that, uh, so I was trying to apply for a position that would be, you know, more involved with the new recruits. Right. Um, and the words were that I was too immature to be in an executive position and, not but or yet and, and. too intimidating to be any like to be close to like freshmen and welcome them in and i just was like if you're i don't understand how i can be both right like i don't think i'm either that's like i don't understand how i can be both they hit you with the whammy bro like not only are you too childlike to hold the reverence of an or of an executive position like we're all so too much of an adult that i'll scare off like i I just didn't get it yeah i can i can kind of I can kind of see personalities that are like that, but for you in particular, because I know you, that doesn't really make sense. Yeah. But I also could be biased. Yeah. Or whatever. But, but, you know, like I said, that in, in the end, it kind of matters, but also doesn't really matter because we found our diverging interests after that, you know? Yeah. One of, one of the best, okay, and I don't know if I've told you this before, but one of the best things that I appreciated about college for you. Like, I was proud of you for this, was finding the Punjab Hawakis. Well, like that, that org or that group came for you at a time, in my opinion, that I think that you really needed it. And I think you really kind of like stuck with it yeah. and made it your own. And that became like a, a defining space for you. Yeah. And I love that. And, I, I was just, I was like writing down my thoughts um, recently and kind of sharing it with uh, the other people who were in the same classes as me for PJ Dub. But, you know, like my sister in comparison has a lot of brown friends that her age that she grew up with. And I never had that. Right. And so finding those group of guys was like, there were so many relatable things that I didn't know you could talk about with another just Indian American. Yeah. And I thought that was just really fascinating. I'd always loved dancing. So it was like a cool thing to have. Um, And then again, like I I really much tried out on a whim. I was trying out for another team for completely different reason. Mm. And I happened to just find PJ (laughs) along the way. I know why you you tried out. Yeah. So, (laughs) (laughs) You know, it was, it was it was really nice to find them, and that became like my the core center of my time for the next three years. Yeah, um, lifelong friends. Yeah, I re- I really put everything into that, and you know, like obviously, if like uh, if I can do college over again, they're gonna be there regardless. Right. Uh, and I, there's no better way I could have done it because it's, they don't take freshmen, so I think I think I I did that properly. Yeah, and then. For you, I want to say finding it along the same time was it was Thon and then Blazer. I yeah. So real quick, for people that don't know, what are the Punjab Walkies before I get into my thing? Oh, so Punjab Walkies are, are the first uh, all male Bollywood fusion dance team. UTS had plenty of Bollywood fusion dance teams throughout yeah. its time. 
Um, but they were the first all-male dance team and also one of the first all-male teams like in general um, across the U.S. in terms of collegiate teams. And so they kind of influenced that. Um, so, you know, we would prep in the fall, do local gigs across campus. We did Gone to Texas for the class of 2022. Because 2021 didn't have oh, yeah, a Gone to Texas. And then, uh, you know, in the spring we would go compete. So we, we went to a lot of really cool places, Baltimore, North and South Carolina, Boston, Miami, Oklahoma, Dallas. Yeah. I was always so enamored by how big that, or both how niche the community was at UT, but also how widespread it was across like college university colleges and universities across the nation. Yeah. You know, like there's like whole tournaments I, I and bid systems full-blown circuit and, and also compared to other like other colleges will generally have one or two teams at least for Bollywood Fusion you also have Ross and Classical and Bhangra but um, UT has has consistently had four to six every year uh, but for just Bollywood Fusion making it like a hub in terms of Texas and also like the US for having a lot of teams that compete mm-hmm and then, you know, most recently we had uh, Texas Delosh. And then I just saw on Instagram, there's going to be a new team called Texas Gobi for, for next year. So, like, just more and more teams keep popping up as, as other ones kind of, like, discard themselves after a few years. New one pops up eventually. Yeah. I think it's just like a culture. You know, like not just like in at UT, but I guess just across Texas. Yeah, and you you find brown people where you didn't think brown people could exist. Like I remember going to a competition, and there was a team from the University of Wisconsin, I think, or Minnesota, and a girl from that team said she was originally from Lincoln, Nebraska. And, and that just blew my mind. You're just like, what? Because, I mean, <laughs> like, I, I knew that Houston, Houston, Austin, Dallas were hubs for brown people, at least in Texas. And then apart from that, it's like Cali, Jersey, Chicago, right? Yeah. And so anywhere else was always just baffling. What, what was amazing to me was Ohio State University, yeah. Genesis. I didn't, like, when you told me that not only is there this Bollywood fusion team, all male, from Ohio State University, which is my dad's alma mater, which I've always consistently associated with steak and potatoes, corn on the cob, white people. But they're also a badass group. They, they have one national. Like they, they aren't just a group. They, like they were are, the best group. They're, <laughs> I remember you, t- you telling me stories about how women would go crazy, like fly out to their tournaments like, like just have a chance to Justin meet them yeah like like they're superstars yeah so like anyway so i was just completely baffled by how there's a community that you can completely ignore at your time at ut like you could have gone your entire four years and not known that that was a thing yeah but then once you kind of get into that space or if you have friends that are in that space like how i knew about it from you then it just like kind of opens up and you're like oh my gosh that's crazy yeah and considering there are only like a couple of events relating it like Jolik and Thal and maybe other minor things on campus each year. Yeah, you can very much go throughout college without ever hearing about it. Right. Um, but yeah, like it 
quickly, I want to say after Senate, like became the sole source of my friend group. Yeah. And I think, you know, and, and I really do love that for you. But I mean, kind of along the same lines of that, when I, when I kind of left Senate, I was kind of experimenting with this organization called Texas Thon um, my sophomore year. I had a lot of mutual friends in it. Um, and I decided to join my sophomore year became like the ha like one half of my friend group you know um uh for people that don't know texas thon is you know a student-run philanthropy on ut campus um that benefits their local children's miracle network hospital which is dell children's medical center um i've got the pitch I've said this pitch maybe multi, like 500 million times because uh, I was actually in that org for three years starting sophomore year. I did sophomore, junior, and senior uh, where I was just recruitment. You know, I was just a recruitment dude. Always talking to people, setting up tables on, you know, Speedway, which is the, the large strip that runs through campus that everyone kind of takes to go to class. You know, you set up tables along the side along with every other student organization on campus and just Give your pitch over and over and over and over and over again and get rejected by people wearing their AirPods and people won't even look at you and I, just I get used to that rejection. Quick, quick side note, school, I never knew, I don't think anybody could predict that you could have is tabling <laughs> because I witnessed it firsthand through through Senate and right. then afterwards through Thon and then even for like cheap lunch with Blazers. Uh, like... I, I would have never guessed that you're the person who can really walk up into a stranger on Speedway or West Mall and like really try to grab their attention in, like dressed up in a hot dog costume or whatever sometimes too. So yeah. yeah no, that's a skill that I also didn't know that I really had. Because mind you, from I think freshman and also sophomore year, I was still kind of, I still kind of had that shell that I came out of um I came to high school that I that kind of came out of high school with and that was you know still kind of on the reserve side I thought that I was introverted by the way that was the personality trait the per my, my entire perception about myself shifted when I figured out that I was actually an extrovert rather than an introvert then life just got so much better after that. But anyway, but yeah, no, during that time, I, I still thought I was very introverted. I still was still kind of in the shell. And for some reason, like the little extrovert inside me kind of like came out whenever I was tabling. And it was easy for me to do it and tabling because I wasn't really myself. I was a representative of the org that I was tabling for. Mm -hmm. So it was so it was kind of easy for me to do or sorry, it was easier for me to do embarrassing, obnoxious things because I wasn't Michael. I was a member of this organization. Yeah. So that kind of dissociation really kind of helped me to not only develop that skill but also I think helped me understand that I'm actually extrovert. Yeah. And that I love talking to people in an external setting. Um but yeah, no, I I, it's so funny that you say that because that became a defining trait and not only in Thon but also in Blazers like I was the tabling dude like it was a dude that would always come to the table and that you could expect you'd always show up even skip class to go table sorry mom and dad um, but <laughs> shit 
Yeah, I, I've done that multiple times. I skipped class to table on more than one occasion. But yeah, no. But I love doing it. And I think it all kind of started with Texas Thon. Um, and also a little bit of Senate. But I think Thon is really kind of where it went. But anyway, yeah, I did, did Texas Thon for three years. Um, a cool little thing that Texas Thon does is they do a dance marathon um, at the end of their fundraising year. Uh, it's usually in the early March time frame, and it's a 12-hour dance marathon where there's lights, there's sound, there's uh, a lot of it's, – it's a big fundraising push. It's the last fundraising push until the end of the year, and then we also occasionally get live performances, including the Punjabawakis on multiple occasions. Like I want to say that like the Punjabawakis have performed – the last five or six dance marathons yeah, so every single year. That's something that we neither of us knew both when we joined Thon and PJ Dub was that like, like they had this partnership of PJ Dub performed at the day of for the past few years. Even before we got in. So so that was just like one connection of like yeah. how your group and my group eventually met up at some point. Yeah. Right. And then the other group that I joined at the beginning of my junior year, uh, which was Texas Blazers, which is a service honor society spirit group whatever there's a lot of names that people try to put blazers in but in the end of the day it's really just a spirit organization and also a service organization um made of entirely just mainly all dudes um but the founders of your group of pj dub 10 years by the yeah. way congratulations on your 10th anniversary um but yeah the founders of the punjab Walkies were members of the Texas Blazers. So that was so interesting, again, how another one of our groups just somehow tied in. And then and that wasn't even something that was just like prehistoric. The pipeline very much continued to this day. Oh, it absolutely continued. I want to say like a fourth of the, of the Punjab Walkies are Blazers. Yeah. Like, so it's so it's so amazing how like, I don't know. It's good. It's like a book. You couldn't have, you couldn't have written yeah, it better. Yeah. How we, you know, kind of started in the same place, but we then we, we grew would up. go find ourselves in yeah. college, like you're supposed to. And we and just then eventually we just end up, up back together, back again. together. It's like, it's so cute. It's so cute. Yeah. But I think sophomore year onwards, we both really made an effort to like, you know, or at least we were after freshman year, I think both of us were like, you know, we got a hang of the workload. We understand that part about college. Now this is our time to, you know, go and do what people say college is all about and like find yourself and meet the friends that you'll have forever and do something new. And then we, I, I think we spent the last three years, you know, maybe grits took too much of a hit through those times. Oh, because of that yes. but i i don't regret very much so doing those activities for the rest of college i don't either i really don't either we've thinking about like grit and thinking about just things yeah. like, like things that kind of like define us like i i think that our class you know class. ut20 mm -hmm. is some, some of the most, most I don't know. I've met some really super brilliant, some of the best people ever in our class, right? Yeah. But I think a part of that is just the amount of stuff that has happened 
mm-hmm. in our last four years of college. Like, really, it's unprecedented. Oh, I'm sorry, not unprecedented. I'm sure there's worse things that have happened. But, like, we've... We have... I don't we've know. We've seen some crazy in, stuff. In pale to maybe if you took any other consecutive four years at UT, the amount of things that we've seen on campus, or at least not even on campus, that have just generally happened uh, on a national scale or on a local scale is quite severe. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think like we already mentioned before, you know, first year uh, coincided with the election. And there definitely were instances either on or around campus of people being emboldened, you know, by the election of old president number 45. Um, And that it was it was a scary time to be a person of color on campus during that time. It was not going to lie. I want to say I think the idea of college students being vocal about politics and that image was very much seen then where you had really the people on the complete extremes just battling it out, whether it was on social media groups affiliated with the college or actually on campus live. And and I think those are some interesting things. I think the first thing that we saw, and it was kind of dying out when we got to campus, was the Cox, not Glocks movement. Oh my god, that was... So... What an introduction. It was, it was. Walking Walking down down to your first class and then get a giant foot-long dildo shoved into your face. Yeah. With this this white woman screaming at the top of her lungs. Yeah. Cocks not clocks! And I I think the message, obviously was it was well intentioned it was definitely well intentioned. i definitely understand that you know nobody wants firearms you know anywhere near education anywhere near the classroom especially with mass shootings whatever constantly happening with the u.s but it was <laughs> i want to say probably just the weirdest way anybody had ever thought about it i, I applaud the creativity yeah you know like, like it, it it makes sense like the, the entire, entire message okay for people that or trying to like dig up the memory banks, trying to figure out what was going on. Like Texas at that point had recently allowed open carry in university spaces, or at least some university spaces. And there are some people, some hardcore Second Amendment people that were like, yeah, for sure, that makes sense. But there was also a lot of people um, at UT that did not want that. Students, not professors that. included, were just uncomfortable with having firearms so, in the classroom. So the logic is that if you can, if you cannot bring an obscene item, for example, a, no, a vibrator or a dildo into the classroom, then why does it make sense to also bring or be able to bring a weapon that can kill people? Yeah inside the classroom so like so like you said like the, the message was well-intentioned and i understand but also like i don't i don't want a vibrator being shoved into my face like i'm a freshman it was it was an interesting orientation i think it was so interesting it was also interesting because i vividly remember at my orientation pokemon go had just been released oh man and the amount of people who would just like walk headfirst into an 
18 inch because they're trying to find the <laughs> next Pokemon was whole, just a whole 18 hilarious. Jesus. And I think what that that first introduction of Cox Not Glocks really solidified into my mind that that West Campus area was like the the protesting place. West Mall? West Mall. Yeah, yeah, sorry. West Campus is a bunch of housing and apartments that are west of the university. Yeah, West Mall um, is, you know, the student union area, um, everything west of the tower. The beautiful FAC. The FAC. I slept on the FAC. FAC hit hard. Hit so hard. But anyway, yeah, so it, that so that first experience kind of solidified into my mind that the West Mall area was like the the political epicenter, mm-hmm. you know. I guess it always had been, especially with the protests in the '60s and the '70s against the Vietnam War, because lo and behold, shortly after that, there was a uh, there was a group on campus. You you may be familiar with them. Uh, they're called the Young Conservatives of Texas. Uh, and they they decided to have a bake sale there. <laughs> yeah. And this bake sale was... Oh, my gosh. Probably... I mean, um, well, let's just put it this way. It was in opposition to affirmative action. And the way their ideas... Uh, the way their ideas presented were just not the most logical in terms of respecting people's race or background. Yeah, yeah respecting, respecting core aspects, aspects of their identity. identity. Yeah, so... <laughs> yeah. In, in that regard, you know, things got heated quickly. Break, Break down, down, what did they do? So, if I remember correctly, they had priced their bake sale of cookies and brownies or bread whatever it was normal bake sale stuff um according to your race and the idea that was was presented was that you know if you were white the cookie cost let's say three dollars and if you were latinx or african-american it would cost less and if you were native american it would cost even less and the idea was just to try and demonstrate that it was in their words, absurd to sell cookies like that. So it's weird to give scholarships or a, construct college admissions that way, too. Right. And obviously, that's not the reason affirmative action was put in place. Nope. And I, uh, I don't think so. They I Not think, to get too political. Yeah, but... yeah. So... I think they even went to the lengths of. I can't remember if they put a price for Asian goods or not. Oh, it was it was higher than. It whites. was higher, so there. Yeah. Was, so it was like so if three dollars. So if you were white and you were trying to buy a cookie, and it was three dollars, and if you were Asian, it would be like four dollars. Yeah. You know. And then that also kind of goes against model minority. So, but and it was obviously a very heated argument, very big thing on campus, but at the same time. I kind of came to understand that this is the epicenter of politics is that we're going to have these discussions live on campus. That's what college is for. Right. Which is, you know, a campus that 
promotes change, Austin's the liber- most liberal city in Texas. Um, and so I think I was surprised to just see that they were able to get so more attention because you would think that conservative group on campus in Texas is nothing new, but it, it did provoke so much hatred and just, I want to say, it was, it was just like ill logical, right? If, if there's one thing that this group definitely knows how to do, it's being provocative. Yeah. It's being able to draw a crowd and have them scream at you. Yeah. Now, mind you, I don't think it's particularly hard to do at UT. Yeah. I don't think it takes a lot of brain power to create a sort of provocative message and then people will most definitely come and protest it. You know, especially the age that we live in of social media where, you know, you can know when something is happening on campus within minutes. It's, now mind you, there are also some things where response is very slow. Yeah. See also the death of a UT student. Yeah. The end of our freshman year. People were so pissed about that. People were so pissed about how slow the uh, university was in messaging to students about like the the state of danger that the university was at um like i was i was in the sac i could i could look out the windows yeah i was in the, i was in pcl yeah like we were both literally within 30 second walking distance everything that happened on that corner of 21st and speedway yeah like i like i could see the the yellow caution tape being wrapped around that entire biking area in front of Greg Jim. Yeah. You know, where it kind of went down. And I was like, what in the world is going on? So then, naturally, Twitter and people messaging each other is so much faster than what the university you know, did. Like, I, I knew about not only were four people stabbed, but also one was in very critical condition and eventually passed away. Rest in peace, Harrison Brown. Um, but... Like, so much more quicker than the official message that came out across university channels. And people were so pissed about that. Yeah. So angry. But that, so that's our freshman year. Like, politics and death. And I think, like, we had heard before, you know, at every college campus, but also especially UT, of a student passing away or getting killed or maybe committing suicide. Um... But I think it was just a real hit that it happened while we were there. Within walking distance. Yeah. Like, we could have... Oh, and also, they, they captured the dude yeah. in our dorm. Like, he tried to escape through our dorm. So, like, if we had been walking to go back, I don't know, for a nap yeah. or to get some food... Like, we could have been in that area. So I think that's, like, a defining moment for a lot of, at least the the seniors, because it just kind of defined, like, this this thing could just happen, and you could just be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. You know? So that was was very scary for me. That was scary. Yeah. But, you know, there hasn't been an incident like that in a while. And then... uh... Moving on to sophomore year, I think Hurricane Harvey was the first thing to happen because that was in August. Um, you know, it was, and I, 
Yeah. Because yeah. it affected a lot of people who are... It, it was like the week or two weeks before school started. Yeah. So especially people who are from Houston, Galveston area, uh, along that side of Texas, you know, were, were very heavily affected. A lot of them, you know, if their homes weren't damaged to like that, that's on like the far end but i guess like you know uh couldn't come for the first couple of weeks of classes uh because of the weather conditions class of 2021 didn't get there gone to texas another crazy thing about that too is that kind of like along the same thing of the issue with uh with harrison brown's death is that like you know you, you could have just been in the wrong place at the wrong time yeah this same thing kind of happened to me with Hurricane Harvey. Uh, I went to a, a summer retreat uh, with the Senate of College Councils, right, because they were my friend group, um, and we went to Rockport, uh, which is the area that, you know, that, that was really heavily affected by Hurricane Harvey. And we stayed in this Airbnb for a night, and it was a great, great trip. But a week later, Harvey hit that spot, it landed uh, at Texas. And then I think afterwards we, we looked up the Airbnb on like Google Maps or something just to see if it survived. Leveled. Like imagine if we would have been there, like if we pushed back the trip a weekend, like we would have been underwater, dead. Yeah. Like it's just, it's so amazing that, you know, you could just be in like a place and then just this shit would just happen. Yeah. You know? But yeah, no, but that, that definitely heavily affected so many UT students. Yeah. And, you know, shouts out to all the people that were from Houston that had their place affected or helped their neighbors because I mean, we're not going to get that in San Antonio. Yeah. We don't have to worry about, like, hurricanes hitting San Antonio or landlocked mm-hmm. unless you count the river walk. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, not the But, uh, and then fast forward a little bit, and I can't remember exactly when it happened, but there were a case of killer clowns just terrorizing Austin. Did they actually kill people? Uh, so, I, I thought they were just like scary, scary looking with like See, knives and is, chainsaws and shit. But I don't know if there were any actual killings, but I do do remember they got they got as close as like Doby Center or Littlefield Fountain. Um, and there's just like footage of a lot of these people in just like clown masks, knives, chainsaws, other sharp objects. And just to have the on campus, you're like, something's got to happen. Imagine if that had happened when Joker was released. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been scary. Yeah. Oh, my God. But yeah, that was kind of crazy. And then, what was it? like Either like around that same time or shortly after, there was the, the mailbox bombs. Yeah, so a lot of surrounding Austin area homes had gotten bombs through postage and then a few people had died from them i I remember that oh i did not know the people actually died either leaving them in critical condition or like they they just got they they were killed by them and so i remember just like having conversations with people like picking up stuff from like the jester office (laughs) and you're like 
kind of scary, but then also, like, my logic was, like, if something was motion sensitive, like, it, it's already been touched by them, like, whoever's working in the office. What if there's, like, a biological marker yeah. where if you touched the packaging tape, it scanned your fingerprint, and then it would blow up right then and there? But I remember all, we just had all of these random, wor- like, fears that... Just did, we didn't need to be there yeah. while we were in college. Killer clowns. Mailbox bombs. your mail. So. And I, I guess to wrap up our sophomore year, there was the whole student government election craziness. Yeah. Uh, and I, I argue that Morris. Uh, I mean, actually, there were, there were some parts that were just really messed up. I think I like to look, look at it in a, in a, positive light and just see how it was funny but there were a lot of racial undertones very much so so we they went to two runoffs two runoffs yeah which was i think it was unprecedented it's never really happened yeah before that but i think not only are students very not already inclined to participate in these elections or i mean to vote in the elections rather the only reason that it gained traction were because of all the scandals and the tweets and the accusations. And still, like, even after that one cycle, there was still no clear majority because just nobody wants to vote for these student government things. I think, I think, if I remember this correctly, I think one of the thing, one of the defining characteristics of that election was the amount of complaints Mm -hmm. that were submitted to the election supervisory board yeah uh which are basically the oversight the the people that are oversee the election proceedings i think like people from both teams submitted like so many like a ubiquitous amount of requests or complaints against the other team so they had to like sort them all out yeah about like campaigning too early or uh campaigning when they weren't allowed to so that i think that definitely affected the runoffs to follow there was that or even during the runoffs wasn't too there also the facebook thing the facebook thing like i think it was one particular campaign like obviously they're gonna invite you to your their voting events or info sessions or right. whatever or rallies what if you do it too early it wasn't that. It was they were. I, I think it's because it's a feature on Facebook that they got away with it initially. But you can, if you were the host of an event, I think if the event is private, if I'm not mistaken, you can mark based on the people who you've invited if they're going or not. So, like, in a joking manner, you know, like let's say I've hosted a party and you say not going as a joke and I just hit going for you because I'm like, bro, I know you're going to go. Right. But in this case, it was them inviting thousands and thousands of students to rally. And marking them all Some people might hit interested at the most. Some people might hit going. But then there was this false image of all of campus going to the rally when nobody was i did not hear about that that was yeah. new to me that's so interesting and then speaking of kind of politics kind of after that 
That was a horrible transition. <laughs> Just trying to figure out a way. Okay, Brett Kavanaugh was, you know, yeah. was nominated to the Supreme Court, and there was that whole entire thing, that situation. And any time you've got any political official mm-hmm. with controversy, uh, especially with the topics that Kavanaugh was kind of surrounding, mm-hmm. out comes YCT, the Young Conservatives of Texas. They always find a way. And then, yeah, and then they do the same thing. You know, they, they go to West Mall. Uh, they have a lot of provocative imagery, uh, making, not making light of, but I actually know, yeah, I guess making light of or criticizing the Me Too movement. And of course, the campus that we find ourselves in, people are bound to always come out yeah. and protest that stuff. So... Like and I was talking about you this earlier, but I all I remember it was a stormy day. We were in Middle Eastern studies, and I could hear the counter protests being shouted outside of our classroom. It was borderline annoying, but it was the people protesting like like for the Me Too movement. So I was like, eh, I could put up with it. Yeah. But it was it's just so amazing to see how politically charged our campus was mm-hmm. consistently. Yeah. You know, time and time again. And it's not like we were doing anything in Middle Eastern studies. So. Oh, yeah, no, I'm pretty sure you were playing Mario Kart <laughs> yeah, on your yeah. laptop, and I was yeah. taking notes. I actually I actually tried in that class. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was he, interesting. He was a good professor. Like, he, he was very much a professor who showed a lot of curiosity and passionate about the topic and he was he was a good lecturer like he was a good lecturer it's just like i took the class because i needed it not because i was interested and i don't blame the guy right like he, he was a chill dude he graded fairly he did yeah so he was a good yeah that was a good class i don't know i was just i was so interested i was like hey you know learn about prophet the muhammad birth of Islam. yes yeah why wouldn't i you know I wonder what my grandparents would think and then you think is our hamsters halal <laughs> yeah so i guess that's a, that's, a <laughs> that's perfect, a transition that's the perfect segue into our, our next category i would say we're talking about the texas cowboys eating yeah, hamsters so <laughs> i remember specifically on ut long memes that that was their piece I heart reacted every single hamster every meme that I saw. It was, it was boom, 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 apex boom, boom. of comedy in that group. Uh, but again, unfathomable to think that think that actually happened. I, I still don't. I don't know, man. Like I, I hear stories like, time and time and again, and so many people have come up and corroborated those stories, but. There's still a little part of me that is just like, there's no way. Like, you cannot bite the head off of a live hamster. For what? A spirit group? I, Do you want clout that bad? Like, I there, There's some part of me that is like, how, like, what? Oh, <laughs> like, I'm at loss for words. Like, why? Was, I think... It was surprising because, you know, I had heard of stories of people being hazed, whether it was through like 
drinking maybe to sure. get into an orc. But this was just bizarre. It was just so bizarre. It came it just came completely out of left field. And then to make it worse, I mean, not only were the cowboys doing this insane ritual with the hamsters, but they also got a kid killed. Yeah. You know, doing traditional hazing stuff with tr- uh, drinking and sleep deprivation and stuff. Uh, so, you know, shout out Nikki Nikki Cumberland. Um, very, very unfortunate that he passed away. But, but yeah, it's just like, it's, it's, it's another kind of thing too where, I mean, we were talking about before with PJ Dub how you can kind of, kind of what we were talking about with PJ Dub, it's amazing how you can go your entire college career without ever really interacting in certain spaces or knowing the the knowing all about a certain space mm-hmm. like you could certainly go through college and never experience hazing yeah. or don't even really know what hazing is mm-hmm. you know but then like once you kind of peek under the hood just a little bit then this entire world opens up i mean yeah sure it's it's concentrated a lot in greek life but spirit orgs too i did not know that spirit orgs were even capable of hazing yeah that's what kind of made me a little reticent to join blazers Mm -hmm. because i was like you're a spirit org and i've been hearing some stuff about spirit orgs do y'all yeah do y'all do this and i mean thank god you know blazers is an organization that does not you know haze at all their new members but like cowboys the amount of stuff that they do. I mean, I've always heard the the stuff that fraternities do, but it was just, it was new to me. And even more so, so like, for Greek life, spirit orgs, and then, like, academic organizations to career-based organizations. <laughs> There's a bunch of nerds hazing each other. Like, oh, what like, the hell? Why like, does everyone if, want to haze? If, if everybody in this org is trying to become, is trying to go into IB, well, who needs to be hazed to join this? It's, and what is know. the hazing process? Like, I, I just didn't understand how it pertained to some of these orgs. I just thought it was something that was, quote unquote, put into tradition with Greek life, which doesn't make it acceptable, but no. acceptable is just my understanding. But yeah, man. And then apparently they're being sued currently yeah. by the family of Nikki Cumberland. I think for a million dollars is what I saw the, the Daily Texan article about. So I mean, hey, I wish I hope they win. Yeah. <laughs> Not the Cowboys. I hope hope the family wins, bro. Mm-hmm. And then it was a really chill. End of end of junior year, beginning of uh, going our senior into year. senior year. I think we had a lot of aspirations of what we wanted to do. There were a lot of different opportunities that we had in Austin to be able to cow go out and adventure more. Right. Um, and I think I feel now it seems like in retrospect we took it for granted in the fall but it was kind of like easy breezing enjoying the senior year enjoying right. our friends because we thought we had yeah the spring yeah and then we did it <laughs> and it, it we just, did it. it if we had and I guess that's just the way pandemics work if we had a little bit more time to prep ourselves i think a lot of people would be okay because they would have gotten the satisfaction for maybe some closure right if you had if say the university had let us know up 
from one week to a month before, like some other colleges did, that classes are going to go online after spring break. We would have taken that week before spring break a lot differently. I agree. But it's because we didn't find out to like Wednesday, Thursday before we went on to spring break. Yeah. And they didn't even say we were going to online. They just said there'll be an extra week of break for us to figure stuff out. And then obviously. So so there's like that still little like kind of spark of hope. Yeah. That you you think you're going to come back. You're just like, oh, okay. Just an extra, extra week of spring break. That's whatever. And then. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what the situation is like after May first. Okay, yeah. not ideal, but you know, at least I'll be able to get you know the last f- couple of weeks of class, and then you know, leading up to graduation, and then what? Beginning of April, it was like, yeah, no, fam, it's gonna be online. Yeah, classes. no, 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 yeah. But You're then, like in back. my head, I was thinking, you know, online classes, you know, organize something with the boys to figure out something to do for us to go back to Austin. Hopefully, stuff lifts up by then. Even if classes are still online. I still need to move out, man. I haven't moved out of my apartment. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something I just started doing. Um, and then before we knew it, it was just virtual graduation. And then we're here. Yeah. Reminiscing about it. But that didn't stop the Cabo 44. Or what is it? Cabo 78? Or whatever ridiculous number it was now. Oh. I, I like... I kept saying 44 just because that I, I thought that's what it was the initial number of people who tested positive. I, definitely more people were on the trip. I thought it was like 200 people were on the trip. Yeah. But I think 44 people initially tested positive on the campus. I remember Cabo 44. That was like a big number for me. Yeah. Man, that was a, that was a priming, that was a prime simping opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> but I mean, like, but we had some like really. We, I mean, okay, so this was just a big-ass laundry list of bad things that have kind of happened. But, I mean, we had, like, a lot of, like, good moments, too. Especially with sports. Football. So. Like, the I, first football I, game we ever had. I think, oh, before we start this, my hopes for what football at UT would become. Because I grew up watching UT versus A&M Thanksgiving games. And... I remember vividly Colt McCoy taking that hit to the shoulder in the national championship game against Alabama, and it was dreadful. And so it was like, you know, when I'm here, this is when it's going to happen. Couldn't even muster a Big 12 championship out of it. Mm -mm. But despite that, despite we had three winning records. Yeah. Three winning records. Under under Mr. Charlie Strong and then eventually Mr. Tom Herman. So Char- Strong was our one losing record, right? We went five and seven. Right. And I then think with that, I Herman, think we went seven, seven and five. five, ten and four. We went nine and three in the regular season, right. lost the championship, won the bowl. And then this recent year, eight and five then? I think so. So yeah. Um, yeah. Man, so let's start with. The very first Nothing game while that. we were as students uh, against, I think, then ranked a top 10 Notre Dame yes. while we are on seed. Michael and I get there two, maybe three hours before the game has started, thinking that we need to hold our seats down in the student section. 
It wouldn't have mattered. It really wouldn't have. <laughs> Everybody is just packing in the student section. You're getting moved down. There's the the the, the slow kind of shift of bodies to the right or to the left and then, like you you start out in the middle of the stand and then somehow like 30 seconds later you're like on the edge of the stand you're like how did i even get here it's like we know the stadium capacity is like 101,000 but then i wonder why we're breaking that record and it's very obvious why it's just people just keep pushing it and i remember Notre Dame was one of those record breaking attendance games so that happened Going to double overtime. Double overtime. Swoops touchdown. Tyrone runs it in. Swoops. Big old Texas is back, even though we would go five and seven right. that season. I bought a foam finger that day oh. that I never <laughs> broke open again. There's this random drunk senior dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> apparently, I had the foam finger like raised high above my head when we scored. So this drunk dude right next to me is like, bro, you got to keep that foam finger up. That's our good luck charm. And me is like a very young, scared, but also very excited freshman. I was like, yeah, dude. So I had my arm up above my head the entire time, practically. And then double overtime happened and we got the win. And it was, I was, I've never been more proud of being a Texas Longhorn fan than in that moment. Except maybe when we won the Red River rivalry. Yeah, so year. then sophomore year, nothing really came up. It was Herman's first year. Right. We had an okay record. It was a winning record, but it was okay. Not, no big... Get, we, we played at USC and barely lost. Right. Um, but again, no, no super big games. I think, if I remember correctly, Kansas was an overtime game that I went to, uh, but junior year was very exciting with Red River Shootout, um, where we find the one time we beat OU and our, our time finished. Yes. Man, that was that was a fantastic game. Did you go to that game? No. I, I was in the stands. I was in that game. Yeah, you went with Blazers, right? I did. Yeah, so I, I remember watching, I think it was from Morgan and Austin's apartment, but that was still an incredible game. And then USC was also that year. That was a phenomenal game because we were trailing at the half. Mm -hmm. And then in the third quarter, we scored like three touchdowns in a row. Incredible energy. That was the next record-breaking attendance game. So now we've gone to the top two games in record attendance. Yep. Uh. Then Sugar Bowl versus Georgia happens. Although we lose the Big 12 championship, we get to the Sugar Bowl. Number five? Something like that, yeah. Number five seeded Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. And we were unseated at that point, too. Were, were we not like high 20s? Maybe we're, we yeah, okay. were high 20s. Either high 20s or, unse- or unseated, but. And then we're back. Yeah. And then we weren't back. So That's I remember. Okay seeing Sports Illustrated cover. I want to say last so August 2019, Sports Illustrated cover for like Heisman watch. And it was like this is Sam Ellinger's breakout year. Top rated quarterback. Yes, sir. Most likely to win. I'm like he's on the cover. That's got to mean something. 
Um, first game, I think it was an easy game, right? It was like LA Tech, LA Tech. Yeah, yeah. So it was like easy dub. Easy dub. Right. Then we have LSU. Oh, man. First time college game day has been to Texas is sort of wild because it was two top tech teams. They were ranked number six and we were number nine. Yeah. Like people, I know people that started going to that stadium at three thirty in the morning. It was packed. It was ridiculous. Followed packed. by no checking of IDs and the rampage to get in. I think there's a Wikipedia page for it. <laughs> like really? I think someone for actually just the made LSU UT stampede. Yeah. <laughs> if I if I remember correctly, I think I think I think a UT student made that made a Wikipedia page for it. If I remember right, yeah, there's a lot of news articles on it. I don't see a Wikipedia page, but yeah. okay, but maybe maybe yeah. it was a fan made it. But, but anyway, okay. I, that Hot game, as usual. that game really stood out to me because it was the first time that I was on the field of a football game. Um, Blazers uh, over the years have like really like worked up and have maintained a good relationship with Texas Athletics, so they actually allowed us to host some booths on Bevo Boulevard, uh, and then even got us like all access passes through the stadium so that whoever was on that last shift could actually go and stand on the field. Uh, like I was right on the goal line. Um, no, sorry, not the goal line. Um, I was right behind the goalpost uh, where the band uh, went out. And it was so weird because the, I mean, obviously I was so thankful to be there. But the Texas Athletics people were like, okay, so you need to stand like right here. And please, if you have one rule, do not cover up this muscle milk advertisement. And we're like, oh, really? Like, yeah, like, no, that's a big no-no. And we're like, okay, okay. So we were so conscious about the muscle milk (laughs) advertisement. And it makes sense. I I mean, mean, UT football is a business in its own. They pay so much money to have the advertisement. So it is what it is. But yeah, no. And then, so not not only having one but two touchdowns uh, with Devin Duvernay running into the end zone. Like, we were right there. We saw him running. You mean Devin Duvernay, our classmate from sports business? Classmate from sports business and the man that taught me how to lift. Weight training undergraduate teaching assistant. I can squat 300 pounds thanks to Devin Duvernay. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> that I, Devin Duvernay. I was excited for that game because my parents had gotten season tickets for, for UT that season because both my sister and I were there now. And it was like the first time I had that sense of like feeling like a conformed white family tailgating a football game. <laughs> like I'd gone to a couple games with my dad yeah. in the past, but to like have my sister and my mom just like showing up in her born orange and she's like, and i'm like this is this is the american dream right here it is the american dream this is what our immigrant parents and such came a here for <laughs> and then again the next record-breaking attendance get so we've gone to the top three currently that's amazing what a privilege yeah but yeah i mean but like yeah i don't know i guess just like being it was very reflective on the year. 
I'm trying to think of a way to transition this. Yeah, so seeing that all of these things have happened while we're at UT, we had a lot of bad in terms of maybe political events or things that happened on campus. We had highs with football games, with the orgs that we joined. Um, in terms of if you would do anything differently, let's start, I guess, with major. Um, I, I underestimated, especially this, this past year, my senior year, I underestimated how much I really jived with public health. I don't get me wrong. I love the field of biology. I loved cell biology, um, and animal behavior, despite all the trials and tribulations that happened with that class. But there's just something about the public health major and what I was learning in this sociology class um, that was very, very, very close to public health that I just really jived with. And I think that if I were to redo it, I think I probably would have come in as public health mm -hmm. rather than biology. And yeah, I think I think I would have done that instead. What about you? Would you would you have stick with stuck with physics? So for a while, I thought about transferring to, I think, math. And I would have not graduated in four years if I had done math. Jesus Christ. Uh, environmental engineering was on my list at some point, And then I was like, I can't even transfer to that. If I, knowing that I was going to do, if I knew that I was going to do data as a career, eventually, probably maybe MIS would have been more applicable. Oh God, and I would have gotten at Combs least my boy? Fridays back. I would have gotten my Fridays back. But, but in the end, I thought about transferring so many times. But the one thing that kept me back was I was like, I don't see myself enjoying any other class as much as I do with physics. Like, my math GPA is horrible. Math classes do not care for because right. they just, I loved math for so long and I hated math classes in college. But the physics classes, for the most part, besides a couple of professors, I, I really enjoyed that. I don't think it would have done anything else. Hmm. What do you What do you think would be your What do you think is your biggest failure at UT? Um, besides failing, no, <laughs> like you can include. I mean, like failure as like a concept. You know, like you had a goal, maybe you didn't reach that goal, or maybe something bad happened. So I I combined them with. So one I would say is like failing the class. Like obviously that just never feels good. But what's worse is when you kind of know deep in your heart you you could have put more time in and it wasn't. Amen. Dude. It was your fault. But I would say more than that, and I, I know at least my parents would disagree, is that I really regret not doing anything freshman year i think not getting to senate and nsc just kind of like put me off and i just kind of gave up and i became friends with people who were like in my classes but that was it and i just kind of felt like it went to waste hmm. i i definitely i definitely feel what you were saying about the failing the class aspects because i too have also failed the class um it was an easy class 
mind you. And yeah, just like the gnawing feeling about knowing that this was a class that you could have excelled in. This is a class that you could have even gotten an A in. Or this class for me, I definitely could have gotten an A in. But just dropping the ball, not going to class, forgetting when you were supposed to take your final... That was a nail in the coffin. Yeah, uh, it just it just makes you feel like so like such a piece of crap. Um, but yeah, I think a failing animal behavior the first time. Wait, no, not the first time. The only time. Yeah, failing animal behavior was definitely my I think my greatest failure mm-hmm. in college. Um, greatest accomplishment. About like, Why don't you go first? Greatest accomplishment. Greatest accomplishment. That's a very good question. Um, I I'm very proud of a lot of things I've done at UT. I really am. Uh, one of the things I probably am very proud of is I'm gonna divorce this kind of from grades, uh, because I definitely brought my grade up a lot from that low point at the end of junior year, and I'm very very thankful that um I got my grades up. I'm very happy with the way that they are now, but. Like just, I guess self-discovery, which is the thing that you that you want to get out of your experience in college. Yeah, you know, like figuring out more about yourself, what you like, what you don't like. Uh, for me, it was personality traits. So knowing that um, I or learning that I was more extroverted, you know, so I shouldn't. So so that kind of definitely manipulated my self-care mm-hmm. things, where before I was like, oh. I'm introverted. I don't feel good. So I'm going to watch Netflix by myself or, oh, I'm going to get extra sleep by myself. And then that eventually spiraling into a very, very not good mental health state. But instead, applying that my friend, sorry, my the beginning of my senior year, I'm like, okay, so I'm very clearly an extrovert and I don't feel that good. I need to talk to people or I need to be in a place where there's a lot of energy and a lot of buzzing. So, uh, and that, so taking those personal or taking those personality traits and then applying it to self-care techniques, Mm -hmm. I am so ridiculously proud of. I'm also proud that I kept up with my my gratitude journal as much as I did or when I needed it. I don't really post anymore on it because, A, I haven't really been feeling very grateful for the things that have happened the past two months being away from school. But also, I kind of got the skills that I needed from it, and that was... Being able to take a situation where you don't feel that good or you're maybe in a not you're not in a good mindset and then always trying to find a learning lesson or trying to find things that you were grateful for during that day. I don't need to keep up with the gratitude journal anymore because I think I've sufficiently learned that skill. Mm-hmm. So it's not much of a need anymore, but yeah, I think more personality and learning about myself, I think, is the greatest thing that I got out of my my last four years. I don't know if you can say the same. I think being able to be like first, I guess, a hype man as as and PJ Dub was really fun. Um, I don't think I was also always super like I was extroverted, but being able to be that loud person who was just screaming random things really before Rajin came along. Like I was the dude. Um, in PG was fun. Uh, I think taking a leading role in PG was fun. Cause I, 
I think like debate, I found something else that I enjoyed putting my mind to and coming up with themes and songs in the mix with Rohan or Choreo with Shabbat. And that was just something I really look forward to every day. Um, and I know my grades aren't the best. And like since freshman year, they've just kind of tanked. But I think the way I go about, or one, I think on numerous occasions, I've done a really good job about realizing mid-thrace semester where I'm at and turning myself around. I think if I hadn't done that, I would have had a lot more Fs on like my transcript. Mm -hmm. I think probably junior year, senior year, was when I learned how to build a routine to where I didn't have to wait until it hit me before me to like take action. And then I also started to use my free time more like wisely, which I really appreciated. Instead of that's a big one. That's taking major key. my break and coming home from class and like. Oh, let me watch one episode while I eat lunch. And, and that then turns into two. Afterwards. <laughs> All right. Until it's 8 p.m. I'm like, well, I got to eat before I go to practice and then come back and start your work. I think I figured out a way where I try to do as much as work as possible uh, to when when I was with other people, I could thoroughly enjoy it. I think one of the things I hate about that other people do, and I don't know if it's like a pet peeve, but this idea of, hey, I'm just, I'm gonna come, but I'm only gonna come for like 45 minutes, or I'm gonna come, but I'm gonna bring my laptop with me because I have to get stuff done. Oh, so and like I like was like coming through, but with the expectation that I'm not like like my attention is going to be divided. Yeah. So I thought I don't like people doing that. So when I'm doing work, do my work. Right. And just get it done. Yeah. Right. And like, don't be on your phone. So that way, when I can go hang out with people, I don't have any other like added stress on my shoulders that I'm thinking about. I don't have to worry to hurry back and do something like I can just enjoy it while I'm there. Just focusing on being in the moment. And I them. think especially with like senior year, that took a presence even more. Right. Because, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel is getting a little bit bigger. You start reflecting about your relationships yeah. and you want to invest in the relationships that you've built thus far. The, the one struggle I consistently had, though, was asking people to roll up to the FAC. I at the FAC I really would set up shop do my work for an hour and be productive and like be ridiculously productive but for some reason I was just bored even though I was getting stuff done the FAC was your ridiculously productive spot like I if I was by myself I would knock things out but that the so moment the moment I talk to one person I can't get anything done because I just want to keep talking the that's so interesting you say that i have a hard grinding spot and i have a soft grinding spot 
The FAC was my soft grinding spot. It was things that maybe had a deadline of two to three days in the future that, you know, I didn't really have a very poignant timetable on. Maybe I was doing some, you know, org work like Texas Dawn work or Texas Blazers work at the same time. Um, but I could still have like conversations and kind of do that. Hard grinding where, oh my God, this is due in three hours and I haven't done any of it. It was PCL. So the thing that was that like, was PCL for me. I had done, that's the other thing, is I want to say I had pulled maybe enough all-nighters to where I could count on my hands in the PCL within the first two years. And because of that, being put on the quiet floor and like really working until the sun rose again, I just dreaded it so much. Mm-hmm. And then also, but because I manage my time, I think a lot more efficiently. I don't remember pulling an all-nighter after sophomore year. I've pulled a couple after sophomore year. If anything, I'd, I would pull the, I'm going to bed at 2 or 3, waking up at 7 to continue. Okay, I, never mind. I've done that yeah. so many more times rather than an all-nighter. But where I'm just capping the night the at like two thing, or three. How many times have you been successful with waking up at seven? Never. <laughs> I mean, I was Never, successful ever. sometimes. Sometimes I was successful. But for... Yeah, sometimes it, you just... You, the time would go by. Um, so I think we have a lot of good memories that... I don't know, like are huge stories or provide context but besides that what would you say are your top three eats walkable on campus man number one is pluckers <laughs> that has to be number one bro i cringe at the idea of how much money I have dropped at that institution. That was just, it's, it's for me. Okay. It's not necessarily that pluckers are the best wings in the world. They're not. They're not. I wings, in my opinion, wing stop wings are so much better than pluckers. And also pluckers is hella expensive. If you don't have coupons, it's so expensive, especially when you're eating it at the frequency that I am. Um, the wings aren't necessarily even that good. But the thing that makes it my number one spot is just, it's a cultural, social hub. It's just a place that you go with friends, with people. It's just, it's like, you know, it's like a central perk I, I get from friends. That. You know what I'm saying? Or the that one bar from How I Met Your Mother. It's just the place that you go. And there's a couple of places like that around campus um canon abel's obviously mm-hmm. is, a, is a big social hub um but for me like the food place is pluckers it's just the place that you go all right you go at any at any point you know right after a football game when you have your coupons in hand boom uh randomly on the weekend when you want to go boom post abel's <laughs> post a house party you know, maybe two or three in the morning just as they're closing up. Those wings hit different. You know, it's just a place that you go and it's always there. It's a constant in your life, you know? 
that's my number one. All right, after that? After that, I'm probably going to say the Taco Cabana in the Student Activity Center. Amen. That place has saved me many a time. Um, because, like, the Chick-fil-A line right next to it, during lunch rush especially, is just ungodly long. You're going to wait in there forever. Zen, eh, I don't really like that. But Taco Cabana was always at happy medium where you know you're getting quality food. Fantastic food. All right, delicious. But also the line was always never long, especially during those lunch rushes. So, like, it saved me so many times. And also, like, San Antonio boy, how do you not like Taco Cabana? You know what I'm saying? Number three, and I slept on this place. And I'm ashamed to say that I slept on this place. Hello, bros. I, I'm ashamed to say that I slept there. French fries with shawarma on top of it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's just, it's delicious. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there, there were multiple times, especially this uh, in the fall semester where. Let me get stuffed up. There were multiple times in this fall semester where I just had a craving for halal bros. So I popped in. So I popped in. My AirPods. I queued up a podcast, a long podcast, and I walked to Halal Bros, got my food, went back, and ate it. Like, a place that you know is out of the way and is in the opposite direction of where you want to go, but you go there anyway despite the long walk, is like, oh, fantastic. So, Pluggers, Taco Cabana, Halal Bros. All right. That's my top three. So... I, I have a top five, and I'm trying to put it into a top three. I want to say just about sheer number of times it wins is Taco Cabana at the SAC. You always eat there, bro. Like You always. So many lunches. It, it's, you can't beat it. And again, nobody who's not from San Antonio is ever going to understand it. Um, it's a culture. So yeah, that, that's easily number one. I, I remember going there and getting so much food. They were asking if I, I think I got a dozen tacos because I was gonna like have half for lunch, half for dinner, and I was like, I'll just save the second trip. They're like, Oh, are you like doing some party? I was like, No, it's all for me. <laughs> it's all for me. Like, oh uh, even, side story. Even worse was. I remember we went bowling the UT Underground. And for, so with the UT Underground, uh, it, it's cheaper if you're a student. And then also, I think in order to qualify for that, you have to pay with your Bevo bucks uh, rather than like cash or card. And I think I was the only person out of my friends who was still living on campus because we did that stupid thing where we lived on Jester for a second year. Oh, my God. And so I was like... Jester, I God. love you, but also I hate you. So I remember looking at everybody else. I think they were PJW guys. And I was like, don't 
don't worry. I I got it covered because I'll get I'll get the discount. Hand him my student ID. They give it back and they're like, "You're out of Viva Bucks." And I was like, "Oh, all right, no worries. I'll just give you my debit card." Before like I could act on that and like start that motion, the man proceeded to say, "Yeah, it shows here that you're like." Last 10 purchases were at Taco Cabana. I'm like, you, you didn't have to out me like that in front of everyone. Like, <laughs> why is that for you to share? <laughs> like, why are you looking at my purchase history? Did, was there anyone around you that just gave you like a... What the heck, bro? Yeah, like... I, was, I was very surprised. So, so Taco Cabana, number one. I think number two, because I love their food so much. Canes. Oh man, Canes is Kanes. up there. Canes is up there for sure. Caniac combo. You slub the slaw and the fries for two extra toes. Now you're at three. Bob everything. Couple times. You can get away with this. You sub the drink for fourth toast. Yo. Because I'm like, what? Bro, I, if I'm taking it to go, I'll pop a soda at home. Beer at home. I don't need to get the soda from here. Give me the. Four toasts, six fingers. I have never heard of subbing the drink for another Texas toast. <gasps> Bruh. Is, is the Raising Cane still open on, on Stone Oak? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, <gasps> I'm going to try this, bro. I'm going to try it tomorrow. Um, Yeah, but like I, other times they were like, you can't do that. You can only do the slow on the fries. Darn. So Foiled. Cane's is there. And then, this is really hard, because this last one isn't a place that I would eat at very often, but I really treasured when I ate there. And it's a tie between Sushi Niichi and Don's. Oh, man. Okay, Don's I also slept on. Yeah. And I'm ashamed to say it. I I only went there my yeah this this last semester don's was phenomenal it was fantastic and it was so cheap for the amount of food that you were well, getting well their prices dropped once they moved back to a food truck they were yeah a when, bit... they, when they were brick and mortar yeah it was yeah. a bit more expensive but i only went when they were in the food truck yeah and it was so value like it was five bucks mm-hmm. for this plate of rice get some chicken. chicken chicken or pork katsu on top of it some sauce some sauce oh and homie loaded you up on the sauce that sauce was good too. sauce and then you might throw i don't know throw, uh, throw throw a little potato pancake on top of that you know maybe a little extra veggies how much is that oh it's like 50 cents more oh okay that was wonderful and be- better yet if i was really feeling myself don't get the chicken get the pork belly Mm-hmm. oh pork belly katsu is amazing that hit hard and then Sushi Niichi, best happy hour all time, 3 to 10 p.m. Cannot miss it. We get deals on Philly sushi rolls, Cali sushi rolls, Longhorn, UT, whatever. We blowed many a bag Gyoza, at this location. Tempura, Agadashi tofu. They had the worst. Miso soup. All of it. And then finally, when we towards the enough. end, sake. That was pretty good. That was good stuff. 
Yeah. It was it was kind of weird when the waitress. No, 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 actually, no. I guess the waitress could only bring us yeah, one so sake. It was a legal thing, right? Like she could yeah. only bring, which is weird because at Raku they just put them there. Raku is a different. Yeah. But, so I guess legally she could only have we can only have one drink on the table at a time. So we ordered three. I we think? ordered three each. So yeah. show she put the first one down. She's like. Like, okay. I can come back after a while, or you can just pound them right now. And then we looked at each other, we're like, "Well, obviously we're just gonna pound them." Yeah. So, boom, one. She puts the next set on the table. Boom, two. Puts the next set on the table, and we're like, "We're gonna enjoy this last yeah. one." She was like, "Okay, cool." Mm. That was pretty cool. She was a chill waiter. Um, I want to say honorable mention is probably a Whataburger because of how far. If it was closer. I probably would have gone a lot more often, but the distance was was the big factor. The it's funny that you say that. That Whataburger, I can understand how that Whataburger came into or came in clutch for so many people. Yeah, it never pulled through for me when I needed it the most. Because it was far. It was not the Avatar. Oh. All right, it was Aang during that one hundred year period where he was not there. Every time I went to Whataburger, it was either just ridiculously packed oh yeah or i ended up either leaving hungry or not satisfied or they're out of honey butter chicken biscuits it just didn't pull through for me ever pluckers always pulled through for me Mm. and that i could definitely say no somewhere like the plucker ceo has just like a tally or not a tally like has an Excel sheet where he just sees how much money an individual spent at this location, mm-hmm. and then me up at up near the top. Did you ever get any rewards? Oh yes, because most definitely. No, no, no. Like not not just like free whatever appetizer rewards because I would get those too. Yeah, but I mean like I remember because your parents got us the Pluckers membership when we went there. Day one. Year. We've been members since day one. And so... All, all you freshman kids, all right, that are getting on it now, you didn't have it when it was an actual physical card. Yeah, and it was like within the first or second weekend that your parents came, right? We, we just yeah. went and we got it. Um, but I remember seeing on the first time that we get it, that's like if you went, if you got enough points, you would get like a booth named after you. Or you could control Ox while you were there for one time. I never, I never took advantage of those, because I, because sometimes I went when I didn't. I, I never had the. See that that was the most inconvenient part about when it was on a physical card, and I yeah. think it's one of the reasons why they switched over to online and yeah. then eventually through an app. Yeah. Was that sometimes I didn't always have the card on me, yeah. especially when it was like one, two in the morning. Coming back from a party, you know, I, I just had the bare minimum on me. Yeah. You know, maybe some maybe some cash and just my phone and my keys. But I didn't really think that I was going to end up at Pluckers at the end of the night, so I didn't bring it. But so I definitely missed out on a lot of potential points there. And the other thing you had to do with the physical card is you would have to cover the bill because you would have to put that card down. It covers everybody's bill if you wanted everybody's points at the table. Yep. But n- now with the app, which was really great, was that 
everybody can still pay separately, but you could just take their receipts and scan them. In the app is app. amazing. Yeah. I love the app and it tracks your points in real time. Mm-hmm. By the way, we're, uh, we're not sponsored by pluckers <laughs> to say this, <laughs> but yeah, it was, we just think that they're a great really institution. Great. And then the free, uh, magic mushrooms or holy Mac or whatever once in a while was really, handy. I like mushrooms now because of pluckers. I, I used to not like mushrooms. I, w- I would say that, like, I wouldn't mind them in things, but I never thought I would enjoy eating them by themselves. Now I actively enjoy eating mushrooms yeah. because of pluckers. And then fried Oreos. Oh. And what, what, what is there to say? What is there to say about fried Oreos? That was... And, and is it, no, 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 no. Fried Oreos were good, but the best treat, especially after, like, dieting for a month, and then post-ables was the pluckers brownie. That was pretty good. Yeah. What do you think about the fried Twinkie? I don't think I ever had the fried Twinkie. That's pretty okay. Yeah. This just turned into a into a food yeah. <laughs> discussion. That was fantastic. I mean, that that's what you could expect. If we're really just going to ramble about anything here. Really. Um. Yeah. So to to finish it up. Oh, one the one thing I think I we forgot to ask is favorite class part of your major and favorite class that wasn't really required favorite class part of my major it was the hardest biology class i took ever mm-hmm. but i thought it was the most interesting and that was cell biology with this old asian man heavy chinese accent but he was so animated and he was such a good lecturer that anytime he was talking about these complex cellular processes about myosin networks and ATP and ADP complexes and just blah, 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 blah. Just like really heavy, dense, like cell biology stuff. Mm -hmm. Like uh, it was a hard class. And I mean, I did, I think I did well in the class, but the average on all the exams were like 60s or 70s or something like that. But I, I, that was, I think the only class that I never skipped a lecture. Mm-hmm. so hard class but i love the lecture so much and i really 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 liked the material um as part of my major not part of my major accounting practicum the accounting practicum course man i can go on and on about this class bro um yeah i i it was so funny like i was so the only reason why i was able to get into this class in the first place was because I did I'd done a a business uh, program mm-hmm. over the summer, uh, and you were there for that. Um, you were working like a real adult. I was just doing business things. Um, but yeah, no, I was yeah I did this summer program uh, through UT, and the accounting professor that was teaching basic fundamentals of accounting was like, hey, in the spring, I've got this class where you learn how to uh, file income taxes and you go into different places around Austin and uh, you help people file their income taxes. I was like, you know what? That actually sounds really interesting. Let me bookmark it. Let me bookmark that. And then come spring, I'm like, hey, I've got extra time in my schedule. Let me do this. And it was, it was an amazing class. I loved it. You volunteer through the VITA program which is volunteering, uh, tax preparation, and then you just helped people do their income taxes. And 
I talked to so many people in that class. They were all business. It counts as an internship credit, which is what you apparently need when you're a business student. And they always asked what my major was. I was like, oh, I'm biology. They're like, what are you doing in here, my guy? And I said, I don't know. I just thought it was, it was a fun thing to do. Um, and it's, it's, it's helped me so much. Just practical. It was just a, it was one of those classes that you just took. It was just instilled so much practical knowledge inside that I I feel much more well equipped for the future. If I'm being honest, like I've had so many peers contact me about their own personal taxes. I even filed one of my friends' income taxes at, at one of those centers. Like it was so it was so crazy. But yeah, I I love that class. That was amazing. What about you? So for non-major uh, related, I would say sports business was really interesting. But I, I would say I, I took film scoring for my VAPA. Oh. And I've always been super obsessed with like musical scores and how they're created, whether it's John Williams, Hans Zimmer, Ennio Morricone, or all of that stuff. And so like that, literally all that class was like, Yo, your assignment for the week is watch this movie, write a paper about the music, and like, like analyze it. And it was so great because like I, I remember my midterm paper was like on how the good, bad, and the ugly was such a good soundtrack, and then my final was on how the Avengers was such a bad soundtrack. Um, but yeah, I like I just loved being in that. Cl- I I showed up sick to that class, which is I mean obviously not good, but like I would say usually. I think we can fairly say if one of us was sick during our time at UT, we would just call up there and make it like, oh, so I'm just not going to class today. Unless, like, you had a test or you had to be there, we would. But even then, like, you could contact the professor at TA and make an, make accommodations, right? Yeah, and you, right? you could do, like, whatever you needed if you just, just didn't want to cop out, right? But I was like, we're going to go over Star Wars today. I got to go. Like, I'm not going to You miss, have to. Right? Like, so I completely geeked out over the class and I really loved it. Um, major related, I would say Quantum 3 from this semester uh, was really fascinating. I've been put off the idea of research or academia and physics for a while after doing research. Um, and I was like, this is just not something... You know, I I can see myself doing, but then like he really found a way to make like quantum really engaging and not just something that's like a a brag based on the title of the class, but you know it was like it was like really fascinating because he would relay all the topics that we were learning about to like either his research or actual groups or institutes or universities around the world who are currently doing that the facilities the trackers or accelerators or detectors that they would use um and for a brief brief second i was like you know maybe doing like research is what i do want to do like it really brought that glimmer of hope for a second then i was like i realized how much i hated lab but like i kind of remembered why i was interested in physics in the first place which is weird because it happened at the end of my <laughs> college career. It's like, but yeah. I could not have had a class like this sooner. Yeah. But yeah, man. I mean, good times. 
But, I mean, that's all now behind us. Yeah. As we look forward into the great beyond, mm -hmm. that is adulthood. Yep. Whatever that means. So, where do you think you see yourself? Do you want to do five or ten years from now? Five. Five years from now. I hopefully see myself in the final year of medical school. Mm -hmm. um, that would be ideal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because it would be, you know, through this gap year and then, you know, four years of med school. So, yeah. So, I hope to have already, like, graduated, if not, like, be done um, with, with medical school. Um, that looks kind of... It looks kind of different, though. Uh, it, it's still up in the air about how, you know, things are going to get paid for, um, programs, whether I'm in the military uh, or, or not. But, yeah, I, I hopefully see myself kind of doing that. Mm -hmm. What about you? I mean, you're I mean, you're kind of like doing the teaching thing right now. So I've heard stories of people who, you know, do their two years in TFA and move on to whether it's grad school or another job. And I've also heard of people who kind of fall in love with it so much that, you know, they just end up staying for three, four, or they just, like, make it their career afterwards. And I know I've wanted to do this for a while. I don't know how I'm going to feel afterwards. I wouldn't mind if I kept on teaching. Mm-hmm. Because um, I know I enjoy it for the most part, just based on my summer experiences at least. Just more think that's the con of teaching is that just teachers are underpaid. Um, but in terms of like the data stuff, you know, if I go get out of TFA, do data analytics, then hopefully in some sports analytics role, God forbid I'm not going back to insurance. Um, I learned that very much last summer that I I, I that don't was, want to do data for in, in banking or an insurance company. That was such an interesting internship. Yeah. Don't you think? I really felt evil. <laughs> you felt like you were betting against these people's lives, how long they would live yeah. to maximize yeah, I was, payouts I was or something. like localizing groups based on demographic, income, amount of savings that they had already, life expectancy, and kind of just pitching where we put these perp like perpetuities, annuities, for retirees to where the company makes their money back, which in itself is your hedging on the bet that these people die before the 20 years are up. That's <laughs> so evil. It's really bad. The other thing was um, trying to see how much you could raise somebody's premium per month before they got fed up with it and just switched to another carrier. Right? Like, $1 yeah, yeah, is yeah. a minor income. So they're like, well, I'm mad, but it's just like, I'll stick with you. So, right. So, yeah, kind of like kind of on the curve of like, how much can we what, what's the push it up? Point? Yeah, what's the tipping And it's point? just like, what, I'm really doing this so we can just make a little more bank. But like, millions of people are pissed off. 
But hey, it got you here. It got me here. It was a learning experience. Learning, learning experience. experience. It, it definitely helped my analytical skills, nonetheless. But I, ideally, I do something in sports or education where I'm benefiting people for the most part. Instead of betting on how long they will live. Yes. <laughs> well, that's okay. Well. Yeah, so I think for next episode, we have a couple of ideas on what we have planned. With sports kind of not going on currently with uh, quarantine and the pandemic, uh, I mean, there are, you know, talks about NBA returning, MLB, NFL later on. But uh, for the time being, we'll kind of be talking about maybe some off-season things, um, our all-time favorites, all-time teams. Uh, yeah, so that, that's what you can expect for next podcast. Again, sports general thing. You don't know where this podcast will go. Uh, we don't either. We don't either. Like, we're just... This time we kind of talked about food a little bit. You can hear us talking about music. Michael's been putting together a very in-depth Excel document on some of the greatest rap albums of all time. Oh boy. Uh, Or movies with uh, hopefully theaters opening up in in the next year. I think we should have an entire episode dedicated to anime. Yeah, we could do that too. (laughs) That's just the weave inside me wanting it. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, you know, anybody that decides to watch this. Yeah. watch anybody that decides to listen to this thank you for tuning in um and hopefully we know we we create some interesting and talk about some interesting things anyway it is what it is but i think i don't know hillary clinton just to bring a full circle now that i think about it would definitely deck monica Lewinsky. I'm thinking like WWE style. Watch out, watch out, watch out. Like, like what is the rock wa- cooking? Walking up, grabbing her behind the neck, slamming her face into the ground. Just some like hardcore Undertaker. Just. Bah! 